We praise you, Lord. Amen. Lord, we do stand our arms high and our hearts abandoned to the one who loved us so much that you went to the cross for us. We were your enemies, and you saved us anyhow. We thank you for that, Lord. I pray that many people today will put their faith and trust in you, Lord. They would realize what you did for us. I know people, Lord, that walked into a church and they saw Jesus hanging on a cross and all automatically the Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of them and said to him, he did that for you. Jesus went to the cross for you. It was you who were to be crucified. It was me who was to be crucified, Lord, and you did it for me. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you from the bottom of our heart, with all of our heart, Lord, for redeeming us from the pit by your precious, holy blood. Lord, may the world put their faith in you today, not trampling on the precious blood of you, the Lord God Almighty. Lord, we just praise you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for calling us. I think I can speak for everyone that knows you, listening and even here tonight, to say thank you for calling them into the kingdom. Because we were walking in darkness, and now we're, we're brought into the kingdom of light by the one who says, I am the light of the world, the one who is the light of the world, the one who made me a light in the world, and the one who created light itself. Lord, we praise you and thank you, Lord. We love you with all of our hearts. Let us abandon our own hearts tonight, Lord, and, and let the Holy Spirit speak to the new heart that you have given to us when we first got saved. Speak to our hearts, Lord, and let us apply to our life. And to you be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated for everyone online that just tuned in. You're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're here. If you're local, we're in uh, in Lantana, Florida. So it's we're about a half, a quarter mile west of I-95 on High Paluxo Road on the north side of the road. Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches, 2810 High Paluxo Road. If you're local, stop by. You know, you can come Thursday night, 7.15. You can come to the men's group on Saturday at 9 a.m. We have a good men's group here. And uh, on Sunday morning, for those online, tune in at 10 a.m. Again, I'll be teaching the Gospel of Matthew. This will be our fifth week in Matthew chapter 8. It should be our final week. But we're really digging into the Scriptures with expositional um, uh, studies on Sunday. So tune in. Um, for if if you don't know our website, it's Freedom Church PB stands for PalmBeach.org. Freedom Church PB.org. You can check us out, what we believe in, where we're located. You can find uh, listen to any messages from years back, and um, you can even donate online. So as I said earlier to the crowd that tuned in, then you know you can. You know, the enemy has been successful in emptying out the churches, which causes the churches and the missionaries and the evangelists to, to, uh, to uh, what can I say, struggle, struggle with, with uh, getting the gospel out there. And, uh, you know, if you, if you feel you shouldn't go to church, you know, then you should at least support your churches by sending in your tithes and offerings. We don't take, we don't pass the hat here, you know, but... You know what? You need to listen to the Holy Spirit because Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church and how, how the devil's trying to rob the church of prayers, of, of help to the missionaries, as encouragement for the missionaries, and even financially so they can't get the work done that needs to be done so that we can get out of this place. You know, I love this place. God has done a wonderful job 
but it's nothing compared to the kingdom of heaven. It can't even be compared. And Paul tells us that. And I said earlier, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, nor has it entered into the heart of men all that God has prepared for you. You know, Paul couldn't even, or John, the apostle John, he fell at Jesus' feet as he was in the, in the kingdom. He fell at Jesus' feet as if he were dead. That's how in awe he was. And you're going to be in awe too someday. And then we get to be with the Lord forever. What a beautiful day that's going to be. So, in order to think like that, I guess you have to have what we, we know as love. And I've been teaching on Thursday nights, First uh, John chapter 4, about, you know, this is part two of loving your brother. And I'm going to have to review because we lost two Thursdays due to the Christmas and New Year's holiday. So I'm going to review part one in some effect. I spent like 45 to, to an hour, minutes to an hour on this uh, three, four weeks ago. But I'm going to read the passage, and I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version right here. So get your Bibles out. Turn to John chapter 4. And verse 7 through 11, I'm going to read, okay? New King James. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that while towards us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. This is important for the Christian church today. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Listen, the world will know that we are Christ's disciples by loving one another. Yet as we look at the church, the Christian church, in, in America, in the world, we see that, you know, love is, is lacking in a lot of, lot of places, in a lot of ways. And what John is talking about here is agape-type love. The English language only has one word for love. It's love. But the Greek language had four, four words for love. It had agape for unconditional love. That means under no condition. You have no conditions. You don't love to get something back. You don't love. You, you just love unconditionally, whether you're, Rich, poor, black, white, green, purple, red, whether you're Italian, whether you're Greek, whether you're African, it doesn't matter. Love is love. It's agape love. It's unconditional. There's no condition. Then we got phileo love, which is brotherly love, like the city of Philadelphia. I'm originally from Pennsylvania. I know that Philadelphia is a city of brotherly love, but I want to explain something to you. Last November, we did not see brotherly love coming from the city of Philadelphia. Then there's erotic love. Eros, it's called. Erotic love, which is pretty much what America thinks love is. It's erotic love. It's sensual. You know, that is not true love. That's love that should be between a husband and a wife. And by the way, that's okay because God designed the the intercourse of man and woman for the for the for the filling of the of the of the of the earth but it's between a man and a woman it's between a husband and a wife that is erotic love you can have it the paul talks about it the marriage bed is undefiled outside of marriage erotic love is defiled Then we have storge love, which is the kind of puppy love that you would have for your 
kitty cat or your puppy dog. It's a, it's a love for an animal. You certainly don't love your dog as much as your wife or your spouse, for sure. You shouldn't. If you do, you're way off of balance. You need to balance that baby back out. But Paul is talking here, John, I'm sorry. John is talking about agape love. It's a supernatural love. If you don't know God, who is the author of love, then you cannot experience agape-type love to its fullest. It's impossible for you to do it. You have to know the author of love to really know true agape love, and that is God. We see it all through the scriptures. I'll quote one verse, Romans 5, 8. God demonstrated his, his agape love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We were his enemy, but he died for us anyhow. That is unconditional love. He loves you no matter what. This is unconditional love. That's what John is teaching about in 1 John chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. And in 1 John, and in 2 John, and in 3 John. That's what he's talking about, agape-type love. The Holy Spirit puts this in our hearts. There's two reasons why we should love one another. Number one, God is love. Number two, if you love with agape-type love, you are born of God. That means you're a believer. That's telling you that a believer can have agape love. They need agape love. They have to have agape love in order to even be a, be a, a born again. We are called to love. God calls us to love. Everybody sees the signs at the football games, the hockey games, the, the tennis games, you name it. Somebody's always holding up a sign, John 3.16. There's a lot of believers out there, and they want to tell the world that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and if you only would believe in him, you will not perish. You will have eternal life. Jesus even said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. For by this, all men will know that you're my disciples. We're disciples of Jesus Christ. That's what a Christian is, a disciple of Jesus Christ. See, God is the source of love. So you can't love agape without God. And by the way, if you become a believer and now you know the author of love, you know, you can say to your spouse, I love God more than you, but and the end result is you love her more than you ever could love her before you knew the author of love. You could love her a lot deeper. And a lot of people don't understand that. If I love God, I can love my enemy much more greater than I could if I didn't know God. Or I could love my spouse, you know, with a greater love because I know, I know the author of love and he is the source of love because he is love. We love then because God loved us. So it's passing on. It's passing on. First John, I want to read chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. You're in the same uh, chapter. Chapter 2, the same book, rather. First John, chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling. Listen to this, church. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness, and he does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. If you don't love your brother, you're walking in darkness. And the darkness has blinded your eyes that you don't see or understand. And even in this next chapter, we're in 1 John chapter 4. We just went back to 1 John chapter 2. Now we're going to go to 1 John chapter 3. And I'm going to read 10th verse and onward. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifested. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. 
If you don't love your brother, you're not from God. We're talking agape love here. So why do we fight with one another within the Christian church? As I mentioned, I'm a Vietnam veteran. And I use what I've learned in the Army to try to straighten up the Army of God. You don't shoot your brother. We're on the same team. We're in the same Army. You don't shoot your brother. He believes this, but you believe that. So what? Somebody's wrong. Because the foundation of the Christian church is Christ is dead. Christ came first. Christ is died. He was crucified. He was buried. And he is risen the third day according to the scriptures. That is the foundation of the Christian church. You're going to go off. There's different beliefs in different church. But they do not matter against your spiritual um, your spiritual home. You aren't going to lose your salvation because he believes in the gift of tongues and you don't. Somebody's wrong. So what? It has nothing to do with your salvation. You're still brothers. Therefore, Amos 3.3, 3, how can two walk together unless they agree? The bottom line is, the founding verse of a Christian, we do agree. And Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. A while ago, about two years ago, we were going to maybe move the congregation to another church out the road. It was a Presbyterian church. I went out to look at the place, see if we could move our church out there. And uh, the, the, the pastor said to me, he said, I only have one criteria for you to be preaching here at this church. And I said, what is it? He says, that you believe Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And I said, absolutely. Now, me and him, Presbyterian, and being a non-denominational pastor, a non-denominational pastor, we disagree somewhere. But we agree on what's foundational. So quit fighting with one another. You're in the same army. You're one man down if you shoot your brother. For the message, verse 11 of chapter 3, For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Listen, we've got to love one another. This is 2022. And if you've been a Christian for, I don't know, one year or a hundred years, you should be growing in love. You should love your brother because God is the source of love. John's making a bold statement in, ver- in, chap- in chapter 4, verse 7, in the third part of that verse. He says, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who, in verse 8, I'm sorry. He who does not love does not know God. Boy, that's pretty cut and dry. That's a bold statement. If you don't love your brother he's talking about, you are not... Um, of God. Whoa, 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 whoa. Better think about this. You have a beef with somebody in the church, go up to the altar and make amends with them so that the church can grow and so you can grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ Jesus. You know what? We Christians are not perfected in love, but we're working towards perfection of that love. We have thing. We have to grow. God is already love. He's already from from day one of God of man's failure. God already designed a plan. He said the he cursed the devil or the serpent who was in, who who was possessed by the devil, and he said he said that you know the seed of the woman will crush your skull, and you'll just bruise his heel. From the very beginning, God had it all figured out because he loved Cain and he loved Abel. And if God was not love, okay, God God is, what can I say? God's original nature is love and grace and mercy. And in the days before the Mosaic law was written, he was merciful, he was gracious, and he was loving. He did not kill Cain because he killed Abel. He put a mark on him so nobody would kill him. Listen, God's original nature is is love. 
and mercy and grace. And Cain, when God said to Cain, you know, Cain, Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. And I'll tell you what, if you are listening to this message or listening to messages on the radio and you went out from the presence of the Lord, if you left that church service without accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you, have went, you, you did what Cain did. And for chapter 4 of Genesis, verse 16, he said, Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. What a horrible thing to do. And you know what Cain said in the 13th verse, I believe it is, of Genesis 4? He says, my, my penalty is too much to bear. Woo! Cain knew go out from the presence of the Lord was going to be hard. Don't want, you don't want to go out from the presence of the, wor- of the Lord, church. So, the one who does not love, agape love, unconditional love, does not know God. That's pretty pretty strong. Why? Because God is love. God is the source of love. Now I'm going to go through this, and I explained it last time. God is the source of love. It's now time for the Christians and believers to stop looking at what we don't have in common. It's time for us to look at what we do have in common. We believe that Jesus Christ came, died, buried, and is risen. That's the Christian church. That's what defines you as a Christian. We must hold fast to what we have in common, and that is, that is the foundation. That's the foundation, what Christ did for us. You can find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 4. Paul says this, he says, I delivered unto you a message of first importance that Christ, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he is raised the third day according to the Scriptures. We're brothers in Christ. This is what makes us brothers in Christ. We need to tell everyone that you need to tell everyone that you love God. And so do I. We need to do that every day. This is a, listen, you know what you know what causes you to believe you're right and they're wrong? It's the same, the same sin that Lucifer did when he was in the kingdom of heaven. Pride. You're right. He's wrong. Therefore, I'm not going to go to that church anymore. I'm not going to talk to that person anymore. I'm not going to love him. He's now my enemy. No, no. That's pride. God loves you just as much as he loves them. Pride makes you insist on your own way, on your own belief. Then you know what? A lot of these areas that we disagree on in the Christian church, I could find you direction in what God says in one direction, I could find you stuff that God says in another direction. That makes it a gray area. And if you have a gray area, whether it be in a marriage or in a church, you know where the answer is? It's in the balance. It's in the balance. It's always in the balance. Some people don't like contemporary Christian music. So they go to a church that has the old hymns. Well, that's fine as long as the gospel is preached. Some people like reggae. Some people like bluegrass. Some people like jazz. Me personally, I like contemporary Christian. I love the old hymns. The the lyrics are beautiful. But over the centuries that have gone by, some of those lyrics are just, re- you know, it's just recessive, kept on repeating. The church just keeps on repeating and singing, you know, uh, oh, what a wretch I am, you know. How's that song go? Um, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. After a while, you've sung it 400 times. You just begin to sing it. There's no more meaning to it or no more feeling to it. So what does God do? A new new kind of music is is brought up maybe contemporary christians these old these uh contemporary christians artists they take the old lyrics and they put it to to new tunes and melodies and all of a sudden it comes alive again 
You've got to get out of that rut. You say the Lord's Prayer. Jesus told you just before he gave out what we, what you call the Lord's Prayer. I call it the Disciples' Prayer. But just before Jesus said, here's the way you should pray, he said, do not use vain repetitions. But we use vain repetitions. He said, how fast can I do our Father who art in heaven? Holy is thy name. You know, can you do it in five seconds? Yeah, it's meaningless to God. Absolutely meaningless. Listen, the church needs to get on, get get right. You know, in an army, there's communication units. You know, in an army, there's artillery, there's infantry, there's there's engineers. Listen, communication. You know what? Know know where the communication is? It's in missionaries and evangelists that go out and preach the gospel. They're 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 going out with communication to a lost world. In, in some churches, there's the artillery. It's the, it's the combat soldiers, the ones who, who, who rebuke demons and believe in healing and, and, and things like that. They, they actually believe we're on the same team. You know, what if you, being in communication, you're an evangelist, you would want the artillery to throw some heavy bombs in your area like prayer to get you out of, what it is you want the artillery so in a way the artillery and the and the uh the what can i say the green berets or the navy seals they are protecting you so what are you saying i don't want you to rebuke demons but meanwhile they might be rebuking demons that want to attack you we're in the same army we're in the same army The infantry and the foot soldiers, they war in hand-to-hand combat. Some people are one-on-one, what can I say, discerning of spirits and fighting off evil hand-to-hand, one-on-one. We're in the same army. We can walk together because our foundation is exactly the same. It's on Jesus Christ and him crucified. Please remember, I want to tell you, just refresh your memory. Please note, love is not everything about God. God's merciful. God is holy. God is righteous. God is just. Therefore, sin has to be, has to, and the penalty for sin has to be paid, or you can't get up into heaven. And you can't pay it yourself because you were born a sinner. You know, you might look great. I say it all the time. You look great compared to the neighbor next door that's been arrested five times. But you don't look righteous at all comparing yourself to the holy and righteous God. You're wretched and disgusting. You're like filthy rags before him, says Isaiah. He's light. He's life. He's love. There's so much more to God. Quit putting him in a little box. You've got to get God out of the box. God is the source of love. God is the model of love also. Everything God is is expressed in his love. God is spirit. God is a consuming fire. God is eternal. He is sovereign. He's holy. He's just. He's good. He's gracious. He's faithful. He's merciful. God is the model of love. And since God so loved the world, he gave his son. If God demonstrated his love towards us that while you were a sinner, he died for you, then then you need to model your love after him. Love is defined by sacrifice, but not only sacrifice, but only the sacrifice of Jesus, I should say. It is defined by the Father giving. Jesus sacrificed, but the Father gave. That's love. The Father gave. The Son sacrificed himself for our, to pay the penalty for our sins. Now, this is the judgment that comes upon the world. That the ruler of this world has been cast out. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all that judgment to myself. And I tell you all the time, it's not 
I will judge all, I will draw all men to me. That men, in your Bible, if you look at all the manuscripts, that, that the, the, the word men is not there in any manuscript you find in the, in the antiquities of Scripture. The word men, draw all men to myself is not there. It's slanted. It's italicized. Sometimes it's in a different color. It means that it was added by the translators. But if you look at the context of this verse, these verses, now is the judgment. Well, the context is judgment. So Jesus is saying, if I be lifted up on the cross, I will draw all your judgment to myself. And now you're holy. And God had to turn his head away from his own son. And Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because all your judgment and my judgment, past, present, future, generations past, generations to come, came upon Jesus. For all you have to do is believe in him, and you will not perish. You will have eternal life. How simple does it get? I'm going to touch on some tough areas on Sunday when I get to 1 John. Well, we're going to be, we're going to be in Matthew, but... I'm going to be touching on 1 Corinthians 15, 17 onward. Listen. So number three, a command to love. God gives us a command to love. It's not a, I hope you do. It's like, if you don't love your brother, you're not of God. That's John says here in verse 8. It's a strong, he's... John is very strong at this point. If you don't love your brother, you are not of God. So, it's a command to love. It's not a I hope you will or you should be. It's a command to. Just like it's command to take the gospel into all the world. God's love is seen in the cross of Calvary. If he, if God loved us, we must also love one another. That's scripture. That's verse 11 of John, 1 John chapter 4. Verse 11. If God loved us, we ought also to love one another. And we know from scripture that this is the greatest commandment. Love God first and love one another second. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the greatest commandment is one of love. Is The greatest of love is the command if anyone would lay down his life for a friend. Jesus did way beyond that. He didn't lay down his life for his friend. He laid down his life for his enemy. I was his enemy until I received Christ as my Savior. I was born an enemy. I didn't even know it. I didn't even know it until... Somebody opened up the scriptures to me, or I picked up the scriptures and began to learn. I didn't know. But even if I did know at six years old and accepted Jesus, I still have the original sin of Adam and Eve. So therefore, all people on the face of the earth need the Savior. Not because you got saved at six or five or four or 104. You need a Savior because... You are a sinner. If you don't want to admit that, I can prove it to you scripturally. There is none righteous, no, not one. That's Romans chapter 3. All sin and fall short of the glory of God, Romans chapter 3. The wages of sin is death, Romans chapter 6. Listen. Jesus laid down his life for his enemy. There's no greater love than that. God loved us and sent his son. Why? Why did he do that? To redeem us from our penalty of our sin, which is eternal death. The wages of the payment for sin is death, physical death, spiritual death. Yet we see all these denominations fighting with one another. There's no unity, there's no power, there's no victory, which leads to a lack of salvations. It leads to a lack of sending missionaries out into the world. It, 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 it's, it leads to a lack of giving. It leads to a lack of love. 
it has eternal consequences if you can't love your brother. Then it says here to be the atoning sacrifice or the uh, propitiation for, for your sin. Jesus. That's, that's verse 11 or 10 or 11. Let's see. 10. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. Propitiation actually means uh, atoning sacrifice. Atoning sacrifice. Propitiation is when the, in the Old Testament, the high priest once a year used to go into the Holy of Holies and he would sprinkle blood on the mercy seat, which was the top covering to the Ark of the Covenant. And that blood was to make atonement or to cover the sins of the people of Israel. It was on the mercy seat, the top cover. The blood was sprinkled on that mercy seat. Why? So the high priest represented the people so that, that, that the people could meet with God. That's why he did it. You know what? If you want to meet with Almighty God in the New Testament, you need to come to the mercy seat, and that mercy seat is Jesus Christ. He is now the top covering to the Ark of the Covenant. It's his blood that was shed. God's love is seen there at Calvary. Jesus himself is, like I said, is the mercy seat. His blood was sprinkled, and now we, the people, can meet God. That's why the curtain was torn open. You know, it was torn from the top to the bottom because the mankind couldn't get up there. It was like, I think it's 30 feet high. I don't, I don't know if they didn't have 32-foot extension ladders back then. God grabbed it at the top, tore it all the way down. I heard and I studied it. It was layers and layers of, of, of cloth. And it, some people said it was like 8 inches thick. Other people say 18 inches thick. The point is it was torn from the top to the bottom. The, 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 the opening was made from the holy place where all the priests did the sacrifice on a daily basis. On, on that particular day that Jesus died, the curtain was torn from top to bottom, and that meant that everybody could go in right before God. Right to the, the, you know, his blood was sprinkled, and now we, the people, can meet with God, not once a year, every day. You can come boldly to the throne of Christ because of the love that he had for us. Jesus is the Lamb of God that laid down his life for us. He's the Lamb. He delivered us from our offenses. And because he delivered us from our offenses, he raised us again to justification. Now we're justified by the precious blood of Jesus. Now we can boldly come to the throne of grace. God is gracious. Now we're under, you know, now we're under the, the law of grace, the, the New Testament instead of the Old Testament. The Old Testament was a, was a covenant of death. The New Testament is a covenant of life in Jesus Christ. Jesus delivered us from our sins. He was raised for our justification. We are justified. We can go before God and say, you know, a lot of people, if, you, if I asked the people in the audience there right now and those here tonight, if I asked you, if I told you if you would die today and stand before God and he asked you why he should let you into your, his kingdom, a lot of people would say, well, I was a, I was a Sunday school teacher or I, I never missed a Sunday in 35 years. Um, I'm a pretty good person. I never killed anybody. That's the wrong answer. Those are wrong answers. The only reason why you can get into the kingdom of heaven is because you received Christ as your Savior. His blood cleansed your sins and washed it away, and now you're holy before God, and you can enter the throne of grace through Christ and his blood that was sacrificed. The him, the Christ who was sacrificed for you. It's a, it's a covenant of grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. 
This is where God reveals his love at the cross. John 3, 16. God so loved the world. You know the verse. You can, you can say it all you want, but you got to believe it. you got to believe it. And believe is a verb. And a verbs demand action. You just can't say, oh, I believe. I believe and do nothing about it. It demands action. That means you have to change. You have to make adjustments to your life. You have to believe in him. You have to adhere to him. You have to trust in him. You have to stick to him like glue. Somebody might call you a holy roller. Ask them who they reign with. For you reign with Christ, the King of kings, the most high God, the everlasting God. Even though God loves you, he does not save you by love. And he cannot save you by love without your action. Your action has to believe. You have to believe. God had to do something about the fact of sin because he is holy and righteous. So what he did was give us his son to die on the cross for us for you and for me, and pay the penalty for our sin for all who believe in him. It's that simple. Talk about love. If the Christian church today, all the different denominations, would love one another because we have one common foundation, Jesus Christ, him crucified, dead, buried, and risen according to the scriptures. If we would act on that, and by the love we have for one another, God promises that he will draw people to him. If we, if a Presbyterian can get along with a Baptist, and a Baptist can get along with a, with a Pentecostal, amazing. We, we do agree, as I said in the beginning. Amos 3.3 is so far out of context by most pastors even. We do agree. Jesus died. He was buried. He's risen. And, and the third day, according to that's our foundation. That foundation, according to Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said it himself, is strong and secure. The winds can come against it. The rains can come against it. The hurricanes, the tornadoes, and it will not fall because it's founded on the rock of Jesus Christ. And, and those churches that are founded on the rock of Jesus Christ, they will not fall. But we're lacking love and we're lacking disciples who are believers who will believe because we look like we hate one another. What, what unity is there than that? Listen, I'm more of a Pentecostal. I, I lay hands on the sick and cast demons out. Not by my power, that's for sure, because I don't have any power. It's by the power of the Spirit of God that lives in me. But why should you not be my brother, and why should you not love me? Because I w I'm willing to pray for you. And why would I not love you? Because we're the foundation is the same. Jesus Christ, him crucified. And if we could just agree to disagree, the world would say, wow, I'm attracted to that. When people see a husband and a wife, they get along so beautifully. You know what they say? They want to have, they would like to have their counsel to see if they can do that to their marriage, what it is. By Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, it's the way our holy God can now reach down and save us because Jesus is our mercy seat. It's no longer the blood of bulls and goats that the high priest would sacrifice or the priest would sacrifice every day of the year. God loved us while we were yet sinners. We were his enemies, and he loved us, and Christ died for us. And Jesus said, no greater love has any man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friend. Well, Jesus laid down his life for his enemies. You and me, because we were his enemies at one time. Now I am not God's enemy. Now you are not God's enemy. But at one time, you were God's enemy until you received his son, Jesus. Let me give you a few verses so that, that you would know and you can claim, and you know this, 
you know, I'm sure you do. If you've been around a Christian church a lot, you know, you know these verses. Acts 4.12 says there is no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. That blows out Buddha, Muhammad, Allah, and any other Harry Krishna, you name it. It blows them all out of the water. There's no other name under heaven. Either that or the scriptures are nothing but a lie. And Acts 4.12 wasn't written by Jesus. Oh, yes, it was. This is the Word of God. And Jesus is the Word of God. Oh, my, it was, it was God that said Jesus that said that. Romans 5.8, God demonstrated his love towards you while he were, you were yet a sinner. Christ died for you. Then Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Wait a minute. He's the way to heaven. He's the truth, and he's the life. Okay, so he's the way to heaven. He gives you eternal life, and he's telling you in the middle, he sandwiched that with truth. Truth. It's the truth. If, it's not, if, he, if Jesus is lying, he's not God, because that means he sinned, and he needs a Savior. But since he's real, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, you know it. By grace you're saved through faith. By grace, let me say that again. By faith, by grace, you are saved through what? Faith. faith. What is faith? Faith is the, the substance of things not seen, the, the substance of things. Oh, boy. I, I hate it when I get my verses mixed up. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The evidence. It's evident. What is grace? By grace, you're saved through faith. Listen to this. Not of yourself. That means you can't get to heaven by your works. So I don't care if you were a teacher for 25 years in the Sunday school. I don't care if you were a pastor and you haven't believed in Jesus. You're lost. And if you don't love your brother, you're in, you're in shaky ground. Listen, Titus 3.5 says that Jesus saved us not on the basis of the deeds you have done in righteousness. You're saved by his mercy. Look at this. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. For there is one mediator between God and man, the Lord Jesus Christ. How many mediators? One. So it can't be Muhammad. It can't be Allah. It can't be Buddha. Listen, where are they anyhow? Oh, that's right. They're in a grave. Oh, my goodness. The only one that, that isn't in a grave is Jesus Christ. Hey, but, you know, where are the followers of Alexander the Great today? How about the followers of Julius Caesar? Huh? Where are they today? You know where they're at? They're in the grave. They're in the grave. But Jesus is alive and well. The Christian church still goes on, and it will go on. The gates of hell won't prevail against it. But as I said earlier, you need to support your churches, your missionaries, your evangelists, because, because you're slowing down the process of, of soul winning. And I want to get out of here quick. I'd rather be raptured than die. And I, if, you, if you say anything different, I think you're lying because you would rather be raptured than die. Oh, what a beautiful promise God has given to us. There's, and if you say you're not a sinner, okay, I gave you a few verses. Romans 3.10 says, There are none righteous, no, not one. Isaiah says, Your righteousness is as filthy rags before God. Paul says in Romans, again, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Paul says in Romans 6, 23, the payment for your sin, the wages of your sin is eternal death, physical death and eternal death. Paul says in Romans, oh, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He said, if you confess with your mouth, so confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. If you believe, not with your head, but with your heart, then you will be saved. And Romans 10, 13 says that whoever, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a promise. God always keeps his promises.
So what are you going to do about it? You need to receive Christ as your Savior. That's what you need to do. You need to love him with agape-type love, and you'll be able to do that because he is agape love. You need to quit shooting your brother in the foot. We're brothers. We're sisters in Christ. So he believes one way and you believe another. Somebody's wrong, but it doesn't stack up as a hill of beans against your salvation. So why argue? God has that particular church for those that believe that way, and he has this particular church for those that believe this way, as he has country music for country music lovers and contemporary music for contemporary music lovers and jazz for jazz lovers. He has churches to fit all kinds. We're all brothers. We do agree on the foundational verse. Get rid of your pride. Get rid of your pride because that's what it is. You're, it could be you that's wrong. Did you know that? It could be you. And if you are wrong, praise God because you're still going to heaven because you believe in the foundation. Admit you're a sinner. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. And you will be saved. It's that simple. That's simple. And love your brother. That's what this started at. Love your brother. Love your sister, no matter what they did to you. God forgave you. You can forgive them. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your message, Lord. Oh, we need multiple lessons on agape love. Lord, this world just needs it. You turn on the TV and you see the hatred all over the place. They scare people half to death, put fear in people that is beyond our comprehension. But Lord, your word says that you have not given us a spirit of fear. You've given us a power of love, of love and a sound mind. And we thank you for that. Because we have the power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, now lives in us. And now, through Christ, we can do all things. The all things I would like to be done, Lord, is for this world to be saved. I know some will never do it. But, Lord, we want that last one so you can get us out of here because we can't wait to see your face. It's like a bride waiting to meet her groom on, on uh, wedding day. Lord, we who really love you can't wait to stand before you and glean, glance into your beautiful, loving eyes. To you be the glory, Lord. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. I love you all. Tune in Sunday, 10 a.m., freedomchurchpb.org.